About a year ago, we gave this city Robocop. I think he's worked out pretty well. But things have become a little rougher out there. And now, we need a law enforcement unit capable of meeting the enemy on his own ground. And carrying enough firepower to get the job done. Ladies and gentlemen, with great pleasure, I give you Robocop 2. antagonist of RoboCop 2 is determinism which was surprising to me there is there's a psychologist named Dr. Fax with two X's uh, it's kind of like Dr. Fox but Dr. Fax she's a babe she wears a lot of skirt suits which if you have listened to this podcast before you might know that we're um not we there's no we this podcast takes the stance that skirt suits rule. And so uh, Dr. Fax, she's, she's a psychologist and she has some ideas about the nature of free will. She basically feels like, uh, like, okay, in RoboCop 1, RoboCop had like three prime directives, right? I don't even remember what they were. They were like, Wow, now that I think about it, I was going to make a joke about how they were the three, like, prime directives in the Isaac Asimov robot stories, but I couldn't remember what those prime directives were, because I never read those Isaac Asimov stories, but I know that it's a thing. It's like, robots shouldn't hurt people, and robots shouldn't do something else, and I don't know. Um, but as I was thinking about making that joke that I wasn't even prepared to make, I realized, like, oh, the RoboCop prime directives are probably, like, not coincidentally similar to the Isaac Asimov prime directives, but in fact like a direct riff on them, right? Like that's probably an illusion, because Robocop is a fucking cyborg, which is sort of a kind of robot. He's like half robot, half machine and all cop. Anyway, my point is just in this one, he uh Dr. Fax gives him like 250 like imperatives that he can't break or something. Um thinking like they, they spend a lot of time in this movie, like, basically trying to convince Robocop that he's a machine instead of a person. Like, that he should deny the, like, half of him that is both cop and human. Um, and what they find is that that just kind of fucks him up. Like, the Dr. Facts plot... So, part of the reason it's not, like, determinism isn't just the antagonist of the movie is because the way it's structured, the determinism plot is kind of like almost like a like a side story like a b story like it doesn't really go anywhere what they do is they give robocop all these directives where he has to be like environmentally conscious and nice to people and it seems like it's like a meta commentary on probably like after robocop one did well 
like maybe studio people, the like, you know, the like, um, the archetypal like people in suits who have bad ideas that like they try to make filmmakers use, like you know that trope, like it feels like maybe those people came to the people, to Paul Verhoeven, the auteur who made Robocop and were like, dude Paul Verhoeven, like you have to make, you have to make Robocop nicer because children love Robocop, right? I spent a lot of the last podcast talking about how as children me and my brother loved Robocop um, and it, it feels a little bit like Dr. Fax is a stand-in for those like network executives or whatever. I feel like I'm talking shit like as a concept, not even as individuals. You know what I mean, as like the corporate meddlers who want to take away your vision and make your shit cuddly. Um, it feels like Dr. Fax is a stand-in for them. Uh, and God, it's been a long day. I feel like I'm not articulating this that clearly. The point is just the, the Dr. Fax plot is she's like, we have to make RoboCop nicer. Like people don't like RoboCop because he's kind of a dick. Um, and so they give him all these directives about how he has to be nice and stuff. And then there's a scene where like all these children who are like a little league team are robbing like a gun store and RoboCop goes in and he's like, they're like swearing and he's like, bad language leads to bad feelings. And you know, like, it's just like, it's goofy. And eventually he, <laughs> he's fucking, he's like, like this is awful I don't like having to follow these directives and somebody's like well it might kill him but if he were to have a million volts go through his body that might clear out the directives from his brain so he goes and attempts suicide by like or like possible suicide by like hugging a like power generator in downtown future Detroit and it like zaps the the directives out of him like it works and then he's like Robocop again and he can go like kill the bad guys you know what I mean um, but the reason that Dr. Fax isn't really a proper antagonist is because that's just like what happens in the whole plot. It's like an obstacle that Robocop has to overcome in the movie that like is not super like it's not it's not Robocop's story. I guess it's maybe it's Robocop's like personal story, but it's not the story of the movie. Like the story of the movie is that there's this cool drug cult um, led by this guy Kane, right? Um, and the drug that they have a cult around is called Nuke. And it's, they're these little, like, they look like travel-sized, like, transparent travel-sized toothpastes a little bit, but instead of a little cap like you have on toothpaste, they have, like, a little needle at the end, and you have to stick it, like, in your jugular vein, like, in your neck, and you squeeze it, and then you get high on Nuke. And it's not super clear, like, it seems like Nuke is basically, like, similar to, it's like an opiate, like heroin or something, but... Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there are that many, like, drug cults around opiates that have, like, messianic, like, figures at their heads, you know what I mean? And Cain, like, from his, like, biblical name to his, like, stupid goatee and little, uh, ponytail to his, like, flowing clothes is, like, totally, like, the, like, they call it a drug cult. They're, like, dude, they're, like, the drug cult based around like Kane and Nuke firebombed a drug treatment clinic. Like that's what they do with their drug cult. Like that's, I mean, I guess it makes sense. If you love Nuke and want everybody to be on Nuke, you like kill people who are trying not to be on non Nuke, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of unclear. And like, it's a question to me whether there's a psychedelic component to Nuke 
Um, because it seems like psychedelics are sort of what inspired drug cults, right? Like having a psychedelic component. And at one point, Kane like shoots some nuke into his neck, and then he like he like is with the scientist guy who's making the nuke, and he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, there's too much benzedrine in it. It's making my teeth wiggle or whatever." He's like, "You gotta have less benzedrine." And I don't. I feel like I don't know exactly what benzedrine is, but it sounds like not a psychedelic. So my only context for benzedrine is that it's a line, there's a line in the classic R.E.M. song, What's the Frequency, Kenneth? Where he says something about benzedrine, but I don't know what he says, and I guess this is a digression. It's just, it's confusing, right? Like, what is it about Nuke that makes Kane want to be like the leader of the Nuke cult, right? Because it's not just money, they get into money stuff, but it's like, it seems like, maybe it's just about money, but that's, they call it a drug cult. And like, I feel like if you're just like trying to corner the market and get rich on nuke and also get fucked up on nuke, like maybe that counts as a cult. I guess I'm not in charge of what counts as a cult. Anyway, um, Kane. Right, so okay, so Dr. Fax is like, I guess maybe these plots sort of intertwine. Maybe they're not as disconnected as I thought they were. She's like, okay, so suicide, by the way, trigger warning, if you don't want to hear about suicide, like, this is not probably the podcast for you because there is a lot, like, suicide is like a theme in this. Like, one of the things that we see is, like, they open the movie and, first of all, backing away from, or taking a step back, I talked last time in the last podcast about how I remembered... Like, I hadn't seen it in a decade or two. I remembered RoboCop being, like, pretty over-the-top with its grimness and kind of campy. And the first one wasn't super campy, but this one, I feel like, is where they go for it in terms of grimness. And it, like, they don't necessarily play it as camp all that often. Like, they, they touch on camp a little bit. I feel like the, like, if you think of the movie as divided into four or five acts, the acts are separated by these, like, commercials for futuristic products that are making a joke of, like, how much the world is destroyed or whatever. There's like sunblock, the Sunblock 5000 ad where this woman is like, we can't be out in the Los Angeles sun for more than 20 seconds without getting cancer and dying unless you smear yourself in this like opaque blue shit called uh, Sunblock 5000. And it, I, that ad stuck with me, dude. Like that was one of the main things I remembered about the Robocop series, like that ad and the guy in the TV show who's like, I'll buy that for a dollar in the first one. Um, anyway. This movie is grim as fuck. Like, we, we sort of early on, we see, they're like, they're making a joke about how it's RoboCop 2, right? Like, the movie is RoboCop 2, but they're also introducing a, like, sequel to RoboCop himself, who's gonna be, like, RoboCop 2. And they show, like, you see videos of the attempts to make RoboCop 2, where they've taken, like, other cops' consciousnesses, because what RoboCop is, in case you don't know, I guess I already explained this, he's half man, half machine, and all cop, right? He was a dude, and then he got, like, all fucked up and shot and, like, messed up, and they, like, sort of gave him a bunch of cyborg parts, and then he's, now he's RoboCop. Um, and I guess they were like, we're gonna do some, like, we can do better, and so they got some cops, and they, like, made them into, like, different kinds of RoboCop that looked kind of, like, different or cooler or more futuristic, but what you see is this footage of, like, they, like, let, like, RoboCop 2, like, one of the RoboCop 2 prototypes, like, comes out of an elevator and, like, immediately kills a bunch of people and then shoots himself in the head 
And then you see another RoboCop 2 that's like, just like committing like murder suicides as well. I guess, I feel like committing suicide, that like language makes, like is really legalistic. Like it makes suicide, it frames it as a crime, but like I don't know how else to say it. Kathy Hacker used to write suicided instead of committed suicide. And I wonder whether that was in order to address the fact that suicide is not like primarily a legal phenomenon. Um, anyway, yeah, we see all these like RoboCop 2's attempt suicide and then Dr. Fax is like, dude, the problem is that Alex Murphy, who became RoboCop 1, is a pretty exceptional dude, right? And you've heard, we've talked about exceptional dudes on the podcast before. If you haven't heard any of those discussions, basically, I feel like one of the things that fucks up men in this culture is this idea that every man needs to be exceptional because every protagonist in a movie is an exceptional man. Um, but she's like, Alex Murphy is a pretty exceptional man and like, maybe instead of going with cops, what we need to do is go with criminals. And so she's, they like, they're like, we've got to find the perfect criminal to be RoboCop 2, which like, all right, Dr. Fax, like, it seems like you've got some pretty wild ideas, but uh, Omni Consumer Products, the like sort of umbrella corporation of this universe is like, eh, fuck it. Like, let's let Dr. Fax do whatever the fuck she wants. And so, uh, how does Kane, how do they get Kane? I forget how they get Kane, but basically they pull out his brain and eyes and spine and stick him in a robot, which is awesome. Like you see the brain and eyes and spine and they look cool as fuck. They're like in a jar and then they like stick it in this big cool robot that's like way more hardcore and big and like has bigger guns than Robocop. And um, Kane is bummed. He like doesn't want to be Robocop too, right? Like understandably, but they stick him in a giant RoboCop body, and so there's nothing you can do about it. And so, like, again, dude, I feel like I don't remember if we see a lot of his directives. They must have given him directives. What we do see from Kane's point of view when he is RoboCop 2 is, like, his, like, you know, we see from his perspective and everything is sort of in a computer screen, you know what I mean? It's got, like, the scan lines or whatever, but it's, it's basically like the desktop of a computer where he's got like a, like a drop down, like file and edit and like view menus, like those things. But instead of having a little apple in the top left corner, it's a tiny little skull, which is a nice touch because that doesn't feel like it's got anything to do with cops. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously death is part of life when you're a cop, but you know what I mean? It's just like, it's a funny decision to have that be the operating systems, like little like icon. Um, and so Kane doesn't like being RoboCop 2. And I think probably he's addicted to Nuke. And I guess a clue to how Nuke works is that, I guess there's going to be like, well, clearly it acts on your brain and spine and maybe eyes. Cause those are the only parts of his body that he's got left. But I guess it's pretty obvious that drug addiction plays on your brain and so that's hardly an insight um and what else can I tell you about that we talked a little bit about how like all right so she's like you know we'll just make you be Robocop and it'll be fine because I fucking believe in determinism which is a weird thing for a psychologist to believe in right I guess it's not that weird that's kind of like is determinism that far from behaviorism is that like some BF Skinner shit it might be 
I don't remember B.F. Skinner's attitude towards determinism, but I guess he must have believed in that. I mean, the thing about determinism is that it's basically like free will doesn't exist, right? And I think generally it's used in a broader sense, in a like, we are the product of what has come before and around us sense, and less in a like, we can just like program people to do what we want them to do. But which sort of deflates my thesis about determinism being the antagonist of this movie, so forget that I said that. Um, what else? I feel like a lot of the stuff in this movie, it's interesting, because this movie is from what, like the early 90s or something? Um, I feel like the views of, like the portrayal of crime in this movie, right, is like, like it feels like, you know how some people don't understand what Black Lives Matter is and think it's just about like killing police. I feel like the portrayal of criminals in this movie is like a visual representation of what like people who don't want to think about the fact that Black Lives Matter like think Black Lives Matter means. You know what I mean? Like I feel like like the movie opens up how to how to tell this story without diluting the fact that we're also talking about this right now. So the movie opens up and it's like uh, like crime montage, right? There's like hell of crimes going on. It's Detroit in the uh, dystopian future, and like Detroit's on fire. Everything's getting blown up, and this like woman, this like old lady, is like pushing a shopping cart across the street that's full of cans that she's gonna go try to recycle to get paid for. And the shopping cart gets hit by a car, and she falls over, and this dude like runs over, and steals her purse right and then he's like crossing the street and, like leaves her on the ground in the middle of the road and it's all very dystopian and then um these two women who are clearly like coded as sex workers in like high heels and like tiny like tight like skimpy dresses they like run up and they fucking uh steal the purse from that dude and they're like yeah now we got this money now we can go like score nuke and so they go and buy nuke and like sort of it pulls back and you get this like panorama of what's going on on the street and just like everything's on fire and there's like tons and tons of like women who are coded as sex workers just like beating the shit out of everyone and the reason I was afraid that this story right now would dilute my story about um like fantasies of law and order or whatever is that that's awesome like pretty much I want to watch a movie about you know sex workers beating the shit out of everyone and like getting hella paid and doing whatever they want like that's cool um but like you pull back and it's just like it's like dudes who are like robbing a gun store and they're like uh, the one dude is like I really like this gun I'm gonna take it and the gun store owner is like just take it and get out so he like takes it and shoots the gun owner and then gets out it's like and then they're just like like Robocop pulls up in his car and his car obviously he pulls up in his fucking car he pulls up in his police car and like everybody's like shooting bazookas at the police car and like just taking shots at Robocop and like you know, like, hate the police and doing crimes about it, and, um, like, their bullets don't do anything, like, their bazooka, I feel like they, like, blow up the car and it flips over and that's cool, but, like, Robocop doesn't really get hurt, they're just, like, taking shots at Robocop and he's fine, um, but just, like, that scene, I was just like, wow, this is, like, such a, like, um, like, hilariously reductionist view of what crime is, right? Like, it's just, like, bad people trying to hurt other people on purpose. You know what I mean? And, like, that's the satire of it. Like, that is why this movie is, like, 
I mean, they play it super, they play it pretty straight, so it's not, like, super jokey about it, but, like, the, you know, the movie is, is satire, I feel like, is the wrong word. What's the word? It's not, like, a grim allegory, either. It's, like, you know what I mean, the thing we're probably talking about. Um, and there's this other component, too, that made me think about, like, focusing on specifically why people, like, people who don't want to listen to... Black Lives Matter, like, think that it's a movement about killing police is because there's this fantasy, and it used to be, I I watched, me and Alex watched 24, that old TV show about Kiefer Sutherland as a, like, United States, like, spy or, like, heroic, like, dude, and it was, it was just, like, it was straight up this, like, fantasy of, like, a total lack of accountability. Like, Kiefer Sutherland in that show doesn't have to be accountable to fucking anyone. He can just, like, torture whoever he feels like and, like, kill whoever he feels like and, like, we're, we're, we're expected as the audience to be like, oh, well, he's fighting for America and his family, so he just, like, has to do whatever he has to do. And similarly, like, I feel like RoboCop kind of op- occupies that role, too, where he's, like, the people are shooting at him and, like, he's, like, fine. And then he comes in and he's, like, it's 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 hilarious. He's, like, he, like, corners this, like, robber guy, and he's like, where do they make nuke? And the robber guy's like, I don't know. And so Robocop sticks, like, two fingers up his nose. And, like, on the one hand, it's a hilarious version of torture, but on the other hand, he just fucking tortures this dude until the dude tells him where nuke is made. And then he goes to the nuke factory, and he, like, kills all these dudes at the nuke factory. Um, and, like that's just his job that's just what he does he's Robocop and so he just like tortures people and kills people and I feel like that's that's the fantasy when you like when you're like either you're on the side of the police or you're on the side of black people like the fantasy is that what we need is Robocops who just get to do whatever they want because the police are good and like black people are bad right and they actually they again in this movie they're not staying they're not going near race at all you know what I mean there's there's like not I mean obviously there's race stuff and not going near a race at all is a way of addressing race right or not addressing race um and so the Black Lives Matter thing is kind of disingenuous except as a like this is sort of what this perspective looks like in whatever year it is now it's probably at this point like a later year than when Robocop is set right but what am I talking about? It's just, it's, it's bonkers. Robocop just like tortures whoever the fuck he feels like it. And he's, he's not a hero for it. He's definitely the protagonist, but like, I don't know if he's a hero necessarily. Um, what, like, if determinism is an antagonist, right? I think that, um, like, again, like, the corporatization, like, the privatization of the police, well, like, it's, it's weird and it's convoluted. It's, it's an anti-corporation movie, right? Like, at the, at the, the upshot is basically, like, yeah, omni-consumer products is bad, and therefore, like, and therefore nothing, that's it. Like, omni-consumer products is bad, they're evil, they, like, want to fuck with RoboCop, um, they hate, (laughs) do they hate RoboCop? They, I, they're, like, they're frustrated with RoboCop. They're, like, dude, you're supposed to be our, like... You're supposed to be a machine. Like, they keep being, like, dude, you're a machine. And RoboCop keeps being, like, I'm not really a machine, though. Like, I'm, like... 
I'm all cop, but I am half man. You know what I mean? And like early on in the movie, he's fucking, he, they're like, Robocop, you've got to stop driving past the house where your wife and kid from before you were Robocop, where they live, because you're creeping them out. And Robocop is like, but I'm sad. And they're like, well, you're creeping them out though. And it makes us look bad. And Robocop's like, but I miss them. And then he has a scene where his wife, like the, the OCP guy is like, dude, Robocop, okay, when your wife comes in, you've got to be like, I'm a machine and I'm not a person anymore. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And he's like, well, you have to. So she comes in and he's like, I'm not a person and I don't care about you. And honestly, like all joking aside, it's really fucking intense, dude. When his wife comes in and she's like, I love you. Like I see that you're still Alex Murphy. And he's like, I'm not, dude. This is my, I'm like a robot now. I can't be your husband. And she's like super upset about it. And Robocop can't have any feelings. Um, I mean, I guess he has feelings, but he doesn't really like express emotions in the way that like, like other people express emotions, like more like less layer, like less emotionally damaged people. Like it's going to sound like a generalization, but this is, I guess, like a parallel to Robocop as trans girl. Cause like he has feelings, but he doesn't really know what to do with them. And that's kind of a joke. Cause I know that there are trans girls who are good at feelings, but like, I'm not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so they like, they go on in this direction where they're like, let's just be horrible to Robocop. And so he like goes and does the thing, but then like similar to fucking the first movie in the series, like there's just a scene where like Kane and the other nuke cult members are like just fucking him up. They like pull him all apart. They like pull his arms and legs off and shit. And like, they just like, there's this, so the nuke cult, basically, Kane is at the top of the nuke cult, right? And then there's this kid who's, like, prepubescent. I think his name is Hob, who, like, again, this, like, this struck me when I was a kid. This, like, like really hit me pretty hard. This kid Hob is, like, super young, and, like, Robocop, like, scans him on his thing, and he's gonna, like, kill him when he first, like, is, is busting up the nuke factory that he found, but then Hob is like, yeah, you can't shoot a kid, right, you stupid motherfucker? Like, Hob has a filthy mouth, and I think maybe he does nuke. I forget if he likes nuke or not. He might be too young for nuke. They may have drawn the line there, but, um, he, like, when Kane becomes Robocop 2, Hob sort of takes over the business end of the, the nuke cult, and at one point, like, the city is out of money because they have defaulted on their loans from the, from OCP, the, like, evil corporation, right? And so OCP has basically privatized the entirety of Detroit, um, which is bad. It's presented as bad. And I think we would all agree that that is probably a bad thing to happen to your city is to have it, you know, owned by an evil corporation. Um, so, like, the mayor of Detroit, and actually, he's a black guy, and I feel like that's, maybe they're not, like, entirely shying away from the fact that, like, you know, there's a lot of black people in Detroit. It's, like, a pretty black city. Um, the mayor is, like, looking out for Detroit. Like, he wants the best for Detroit, and so he goes to the fucking nuke cult, and he's like, we need to borrow a ton of money from you so that we can pay back OCP and, like, not be in default on our loans and therefore they can't just, like, be in charge of the entire fucking city. And Hob, this, like, 12-year-old or whatever, is like, yeah, we'll loan you $50 million or whatever it is. Um, 
And so the new cult is like Kane at the top of it and Hob, this kid, and then Angie, the like babe who I think she has feelings, but she doesn't like get that much of a personality really. And also she's addicted to nuke. Um, and like Hob like fucks with her. He's like, Angie, you've got to do whatever I want. Cause I've got the nuke. And she's like, I don't like that. And he's like, I don't care. And then she's like, okay. And then he gives him the nuke or he gives her the nuke. Um, that, those are like the main folks. There's also like a bolo tie, like future rockabilly dude. Who's part of the, the nuke cult, but he doesn't get that much to do. Um, so yeah, so just like the way that they fuck with Robocop, it gets into some super intense body horror stuff because because he's a cyborg, they can like take him apart without killing him, right? Like, I guess we don't see his brain and eyes and spine. I mean, I guess we see his eyes. We don't see his brain and spine, but I guess the implication is that similar to Kane, as long as he's got his brain and spine, they can like take apart the rest of his body because for a while, like he's all fucked up. He's definitely like super traumatized and they've got him like hanging in a room like it's like just his head and rib cage and the rest of his body is like just like gone or in a pile or whatever he's like it's like kind of like david cronenberg level shit where he's like hanging in a room and he's just like a head and like half of his torso and then there are all of these like wires these big like thick wires sort of coming out of the like the bottom of his rib cage to the ground and they sort of like spread out in like a um uh what's the word what's that shape they don't go straight into the ground but they sort of like spread out they go far away and so it's kind of it's not like a cone but they like extend in 360 degrees in this way that's just like it feels like hr giger almost or something and and just like there's this like pretty brutal visceral reaction to seeing somebody who's still alive like super traumatized in this like checked out way and like has like people from a corporation coming in and being like you're a robot like you're not a real person it's just like it gets fucking intense like I wonder how much it doesn't feel like it's like this movie has been a conscious influence like I don't think about this movie all the time but it feels like the tone of this movie must have been pretty influential to me as a kid in what I like even though I didn't understand it because just like the way it skates like between like unacceptably grim and like hilariously grim like kind of feels like where my aesthetic lives in a way I mean that might be an overstatement but you know what I mean it's just like it's fucking sick dude it's really good um and awful um just trying to think of what else to talk about oh there's an interesting thing where uh early on Kane and the new cult they're like dude how how much would you hate a garage rock band called Kane and the nuke cult um there's a scene where Kane is like he's talking about how nuke is like made in America or somebody says it's all made in America and he's like yeah we're gonna make that mean something again and then in a different part of the movie I think, I feel like Dr. Fax or like maybe one of the like more evil like higher ups at OCP is like, yeah, we're making our RoboCop 2s in America. Like we're going to make Made in America mean something again, which is like kind of funny that like both of the evil groups are really invested in like making Made in America mean something again. Um, it's like a choice that Paul Verhoeven made for sure. Like Paul Verhoeven, do you hate America? You might. Um... 
he might just be really good at grim whatever is not satire or allegory but the other word that's similar to that that I can't think of um what else happens there's a scene oh yeah so okay so when Robocop like catches Kane he's like he's like riding on there's like a car chase and he's like he does, do they have like a head-on collision I forget what happens but Robocop is like holding onto the side of this like big cool futuristic like truck full of like hundred dollar bills and gold um bricks and then he like gets knocked off and then there's all these dudes on motorcycles like Robocop is like lying flat in the middle of the road and then all these dudes on motorcycles jump over him that's awesome um one cool thing is that Robocop, and this may have been sort of there in the first one, but it's 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 stronger in the in the second one. Robocop is like a gray, like kind of like plastic body, right? Or maybe he's metal, maybe like metallic plastic or like plasticky metal. It's hard to know for sure, but the important thing is that he like holograms are sick, right? Like we as children loved hologram stickers and Robocop's like metallic plastic or plasticky metal is totally like depending on how the light hits it it like shines in these amazing like Lisa Frank colors like it's like kind of like purple and pink and this very like late 80s or maybe mid 80s or maybe just like the aura of my childhood kind of colors I mean not that I had like Lisa Frank shit but just like that like holographic like pink and purple that was like signified futuristic in the 80s like I feel like there was like a TV show there was like a live-action TV show that was based on laser tag which was like the toy phenomenon at the time that then they like made rinks for and there probably still are like laser tag arenas that you can go to right I feel like that the, the show that was based on laser tag who knows why this stuck in my brain but there was a scene where like the main dude they like had to wear like windbreakers or rain slickers or something and the dude was like this is cool but I wish that I could get it in like hot pink and I remember maybe it just like blew my mind a little bit because it was like an interesting like take on masculinity right he wasn't being coded as like gay or feminine but he was still like he wanted the hot pink like rain slicker or windbreaker right and that was just like an 80s thing it was like Durant around eyeliner maybe and like that kind of shit I don't know I don't know my point is just it's it's awesome that Robocop's got like holographic metal that's like very like pink and like fancy green like I feel like I had a nail polish I feel like I don't even know how I got it this would have been when I was like 20 and like doing that like oh no like I'm like not a trans girl at all. I'm just I just like wear nail polish all the time in like an emotionally brittle and like I don't want to talk about it way. Um, I feel like I had a like holographic nail polish that was this like cool like mauve like purple, but depending on how the light hit it, it was also this like kind of like deep green. You probably know what I'm talking about. This sort of like purple green uh, hologram thing. Anyway, that's what Robocop is made out of. Um, Oh, I remember at the beginning of the movie being like, wow, like sometimes you'll watch a movie and there'll be like a ton of exposition, right? You'll be like, okay, that was sort of just like an exposition dump. And you'll be like, it kind of feels like the writers are like, dude, fuck it. Let's just like drop all the exposition. You know what I mean? We'll like just do an exposition thing. But when the movie starts, when RoboCop 2 starts fucking, it feels like 
there's so much exposition and they're just like like cramming it all down your throat in a way that it doesn't even feel like they're like, fuck it, let's do an exposition dump. It's like they're being like, fuck you, let's do an exposition dump. Like they're just throwing so much stuff at you. It's, it's really good and I feel like consistent with that like, kind of like surreal, like this isn't a literal story about real people kind of sense that you get, you know what I mean? Um, and what else? Dude, I don't know, I, I mean, Aside from the, like, like, when you get down to it, if determinism is your antagonist, then, like, duh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, determin like, determinism doesn't make for a, like, heartwarming story? Like, duh. And I guess, in the end, RoboCop 2 is kind of a heartwarming story. You know what I mean? Um, we root for RoboCop. He ends up ripping the brain and eyes and spine out of Kane's RoboCop 2 body, meaning he wins. Um, there's some, God, there's more, like, killer stop-motion shit in this movie. It's, stop-motion is cool. I remember when I was a kid and, like, being like, man, Tim Burton is the best, which is, like, a feeling I don't really have anymore. I feel like the shine is off or the bloom is off that rose or whatever. Um, but reading him being like, man, I used to love those, like, old movies with the, like, um, Harryhausen, is that the person who did all the fucking stop motion? Ray Harryhausen? That's a name that I know, even though I've never seen any of his movies. But Tim Burton would be like, dude, that stop motion shit was so fucking cool. And I would be like, that sounds stupid. Like, what about the sort of high-tech, like, computer graphics special effects that... I, as a stupid kid in the 90s, have been led to believe is way cooler. Um, but now I feel like I get it. Like, I kind of want to go back and watch those movies. And I talked about this in the first one, but a lot of it has to do with, like, if it's, like, stop motion combined with sound design that makes it sound, like, fucking badass, then that is cool. So that happens, and that's cool. Um, and... What else, dude? I feel like I had another thing to say about it, but it disappeared because I started talking about this movie being fucking heartwarming, which is obviously not actually. Um, does Robocop get what he wants in this movie? No, not at all. It's fucking grim shit. We're gonna have to wait till Robocop 3 to find out whether Robocop will ever truly be happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Alright truck, that's a dick holes. That's it. Image and Benny on Twitter. This song is by people watching, that other song was by Gorgon. Fuck capitalism and fuck your internalized colonizer mindset. What's gonna keep me from waiting See ya.